0: You're listening to the Mosaic Podcast, brought to you by Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. Each episode of this podcast will offer you excerpts from the Mosaic TV news magazine, which airs Sunday from January to April in the Palm Beaches. Mosaic explores the most pressing issues facing the Jewish community here at home and around the world. And now, here's your host, Susan Schulman pertnoy
1: Welcome to our 45th season of Mosaic, I'm your host, Susan Schulman-Pertnoy. Mosaic is Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County's weekly news magazine, exploring the most critical issues facing Jews here and around the world. The October 7th attack by Hamas and the war in Israel that followed have challenged our community in unprecedented ways. Today on Mosaic, we'll hear from local leaders Who traveled to Israel to see firsthand what is happening there and the impact of our Federation's immediate action to support all Israelis at this crucial moment in history. Stay with us. Joining us today are two leaders from our Federation, Betsy Scheer and Brian Seymour. Welcome to Mosaic.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Both of you just returned from missions to Israel. Actually, Brian returned from a mission uh, since uh, the first mission that we had uh, since October 7th. And I'd like to start with you. What was that experience like?
3: Uh, it shows not long enough. Um, it, it was arguably the most meaningful thing I've ever done in my life.
1: What uh, motivated you to go?
3: Uh, I could. There was a need, and I, you know, I, I had the opportunity. I was asked. I mean, basically, that, that's what it comes down to. There but a, a
1: lot of people are asked, and they don't go.
3: There's nothing more important that I think um, that I could have done than to literally go stand with the Israeli people and say, we're with you. It's not theoretical. Uh, it's tangible. And I think it makes a huge difference. Uh, in fact, I know now that it makes a huge difference. But at the time, I just felt like it was um, about as critical a thing as you can do is to show up.
1: Betsy, uh, you just came back uh, last week from, yeah. from Israel, and I, actually I was with you. But what compelled you to att- go on the mission?
2: Well, that's a great way to phrase it, Susan, because I did feel compelled I did feel that there was a need for me to go, to show up, to be there, to see for myself. And so when I learned that there was an opportunity to go for a few days with you and Michael and a few wonderful other people, I said, count me in. I also felt the need to be
1: there to be with our brothers and sisters in the homeland it it was just there was not even a doubt I wish I had gone with you but I had COVID so um, it was such an emotional experience and they were really the Israelis were so appreciative that we were there Brian you actually went when it was so raw in the beginning can you describe a little bit about what you saw?
3: I think it was about everything that you could possibly imagine. It was pain, and it was horror, and it was anger, and it was hope, and it was inspiration. Um, it was stark. I mean, every trip to Israel, the, the first thing you notice is how many people, there's noise, there's uh, energy everywhere from the second you get off the plane, and that wasn't there, right? It was just a very different feel, um, a bit of a pall. Uh, over things, but when you talk to people, as you hear the horrors that they faced and what they're dealing with, and immediately thereafter to talk about what's coming next, that the rebuild, how we will survive, what we're gonna do for our children, how we're gonna be better, um, in the same breath almost, was really unreal. Uh, The inspiration uh, and the feel I get that we as a uh, people And Israelis and the the country itself are going to be stronger than ever after all of this, which was not at all what I expected.
2: Betsy, your thoughts on that? I also was very moved by the reception that we got. There was certainly that mix of emotions that we saw, gratitude, resilience, determination, hope, fear. Bewilderment because, in a lot of cases, they feel that the world has abandoned Israel. I mean, the, the blood wasn't even dry from October 7th when the anti Israel protests started. And Israelis just have a hard time understanding that. Frankly, so do I. Me, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really,
1: really incredible. I know you met with hostages, or we all did, but, Brian. You, there, there was a family, and I, I just want to get the... Uh, Oznot. Oznot. Yes. Can you tell us about that? I know that affected you
3: <laughs> deeply. Uh, it, it, I laughed because it was, um, it was sort of incredible. And we actually talked a little bit about what Betsy just mentioned too, about the fact that um, you know, what they're seeing on the news is so horrific and what they see, and we were able to convey some of the fact that that's not everything. In fact, that's not the majority, um, which I think was an incredible thing. But, you know, she was talking about um, her family, four members of her family stolen. And um, Ohad at nine years old, who she didn't know whether he had his glasses, he can't see, where's his mother, how close are they? Uh, He was there to celebrate and he had his ninth birthday in captivity, and to hear and to see the um, the kind of pain of that was um, I, I I I literally get paid for words, and I have no words for it. I mean, I, I can't describe it in a in a way that is understandable, except to say, I guess that. Um, it, I I could feel every piece of that. I couldn't imagine if it was my kid or my cousin's kids, um, whom I'm close with, right? Those, they're, they're families. Um, and to hear her then talk about what's going on at the campuses in the United States, what's going on elsewhere. And I was able to convey to her, too, though, a little bit of the fact that, yeah, that's happening, but it's not everywhere and it's not everything. And I talked about my kids, who are both college students, and what's going on on their campuses and that there's still far more support than there wasn't um, and she and I were able to talk one on one for for a moment and just sort of connect in a very human way that um, I'll never I'll never forget it it'll it it, it, it the, this trip and these that conversation that just changed who I am
1: How many of her relatives were killed do you recall
3: So we we know um four captured, three have been returned, Yes, and um, at least one was killed on October 7th. I don't have the total number of how many of her relatives, but specifically um, uh, the the brother, so there there's a brother and a sister, the sister taken captive, the brother was killed.
1: That's horrible, and I hate to make you relive a story, but can you tell us
2: about a hostage story that resonates with you? Sure. Meeting with the hostage families was searing. They are, on the one hand, hopeful, on the other hand, realistic. And they're very, very frightened of what they might find out and what the next day might bring. For me, what stands out is meeting with the uncle of a young woman whose name was Eden Zachariah. She was 28 years old, and she had been at the music festival with her boyfriend and her best friend. And the uncle was there to represent the family because the parents are unable to leave the house. They're just traumatized. so traumatized. And he told us a little bit about the young woman and what she was like, what she hoped for. And it, he made it very real. But just a few hours after we met with him, we discovered that the IDF had found her body. And in fact, she's now one of those added to the list of casualties. It, it, it,
1: it was absolutely heartbreaking and gut-wrenching to, to, to find that out. It really wasn't. And then we leave, and these people live it. I, I, I want to tell one other story apropos to what's going on there, the, the intensity of the death uh, we met with a former emissary, we call them Shlichim, and her name is Yara Levy. She, w- she was here five years ago to-, to bring Israel to our community. She now is a trauma counselor for IDF soldiers. And she was telling about us about the funerals, the amount of funerals that they have. And she said, picture a computer at an airport where it tells you all about the arri- departures and arrivals. You go to the, uh, the, the cemetery on Mount Herzl, and that's what you see. You, and they're one after the other. It's all about the funerals taking place, but it's such an enormous amount that it reminded her of the airport um, billboard. It's really horrible. Yeah. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this brief message. <music> when we return, more from our Solidarity Mission participants on why they risked everything to travel to an active war zone.
3: Don't go away. Mosaic is brought to you through the dedication of generous corporate sponsors who fuel the work of Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. We thank American Commercial Realty, Appleby Friend Wealth Management, BDO, Bremen Motor Cars, Bruce Gendelman Insurance Services, Commodore Singer, Baseman and Braun Attorneys, First Republic Bank, FPL, Rogers Design Group, and Shapiro Pertnoy Companies.
1: We're back with Betsy Shear and Brian Seymour talking about the horrors of uh, October 7th and beyond. Uh, we're all wearing these dog tags, which we got in Israel when we were there on our mission. Do you want to talk about them?
3: Sure, and I think I want to pick up, you know, you you talked about reliving these stories. The one thing I took away above all else when I was there from every single person we spoke with is don't let people forget. Telling these stories as hard as it is to, to go back to that moment and it's as hard as it is for us, it's nothing compared to what they're dealing with that's our the obligation. I'm not going to sit back no matter how difficult it may be and let anyone forget what really happened that day and what these people, amazing people are dealing with. And so the, the dog tag is a memory of that. Um, we were with the families of the hostages and we all received the dog tag. And what it says is bring them home now, right? It's about remembering that there are still uh, about 130 people that are um, I would say still hostages, but I think the better phrase is probably unaccounted for at I this point because we know many of them, as Betsy just said and we heard a, the same story the day after we met with a family of a hostage. The next day we got a text, she's dead. And so we know that not everybody's coming back alive. So they're just you know, they're still not unaccounted for. And this is a reminder, this dog tag. And I'll tell you, I have my own dog tags from when I served in the U.S. military. And those dog tags remind me of who I am. And this dog tag reminds me of what we still have left to do. And until those people are home, I keep this with me.
1: As do I, yes. Betsy, you, you well, you've been to a, we were in a war zone in Ukraine together. And now, you not only went on, went on this mission, but you actually went to the, one of the kibbutzim that was on the border. You must tell us about that experience.
2: Going to the scene of the crime, Susan, was surreal. First of all, there's still broken glass underfoot. Um, and there are places on the kibbutz that are cordoned off because they haven't been cleared yet. They say it's for forensic reasons. What they mean is there might still be body parts. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was the it, kibbutz near Oz was the name of it. It was the first kibbutz that was breached. It's just about a mile from the Gaza border. You can stand on um, what was the some of the homes, the ruins of them, and you know just see very clearly how close Gaza was. And many of the people who lived there had great relationships, they thought, with their Gaza neighbors. But you walked into the rubble of their home, and the pills from the, the father were still scattered on the floor. Oh my God. There was still blood on the walls. Uh, I mean, it was so, so real. How about the smell? You could still smell charred roofs. Um, do you still smell it? I do. The sights, the smells, the sounds, we shouldn't neglect the sounds. You still hear constant artillery going, the the constant bomb you know boom, boom boom because there's still shelling going on. Were you
1: afraid at all?
2: No. Yeah. I've been to Israel before and I've been to other places where there are um, still problems ongoing. And it's not that you ever get used to the sound of this, certainly not, but you understand that that's what the Israelis live like. Yeah. That's their everyday reality. So we heard the bombs and the missiles and we were aware of the the utter starkness of the reality of what those people went through and lived through day by day. And they still are. Yes, they yes. still are. The South in the north of the country and now the center of the country. There are missiles being lobbed, rockets being shot every single day, and you can hear it anywhere in the country that you are. Our federation obviously has donated a tremendous
1: amount of money to the uh, Israel Terror Relief Fund. Can you talk about our partnership, uh, global partners, who and, and some of the, uh, the beneficiaries of what, what our dollars are doing over in Israel? Who would like to start?
3: Well, I'll start, only because okay. I'm the chair.
2: <laughs> I, I defer to you,
3: Mr. Chairman. So we just, um, I am i am uh, uh, blessed to be the, the Israel and overseas chair for our federation right now. Um, never would have expected that this would be what we're dealing with. While we're still dealing with the rest of the global issues that we have, um, we haven't forgotten Ukraine and we haven't forgotten Argentina, and and, and we know what is going on um in the world and at the same time we are also adding this to our plates um, i will tell you uh what one of the things that i took away from the the trip to israel is i've never been more proud to be a part of the jewish federation system um particularly this federation i have um being there and seeing not just what we do as a federation but the leadership of particularly michael hoffman uh, within the national and international Jewish community, is in, it's incredible. Um, and to then see what we've done, and I know we've donated and we've done, I mean, the, the, the federation system um, has raised over $700 million and allocated almost $300 million to over 130 uh, various organizations that cover a lot of this, and I get a lot of briefings on a lot of these things. Um, again, part of the blessing of being able to know and have an impact um, directly. But, uh, you know, we sent from our federation and and people don't realize in the north, it's actually still some issues, right? They're still getting bombs coming in from the north. They've had people who within about 10 miles and uh, of the border who've been evacuated. Yes, and relocated, yes. And and we've been able to help them with their lives as well. So we, we have been supporting our partners. We also know that in an invasion like there was on October the 7th, that those first responders need things. And we were able to allocate money so that we can get protective gear for first responders in our communities, in our partnership region, um, to be able to help. And that's a small piece of, of what we're doing um, in, in, like 130 organizations, there's we, nobody we, that doesn't we're, we're
1: running out of time. and i just want. Betsy I could go to be forever. Af- I know. I no, apologize. I know, no. it, there's so much to talk about. Betsy, I'd like to hear your comments.
2: I would only echo Brian's pride in our federation and its leadership and all that we are able to impact. Why? Because we've been there and our partners there, the Jewish Agency for Israel, the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, Hatzala. Just emergency services. They know what to do. There's so much rebuilding that needs to take place. The economy needs help. People are so traumatized. They need a sense of of routine. What do you do with two hundred and fifty thousand displaced Israelis who are now living away from where they were. They were snatched after the massacre out of their homes so they could find somewhere to, to live in relative safety. They have no sense of security. They're so traumatized, and we can help, and we do help through our federation, the most vulnerable who always suffer the most, the elderly, some of whom couldn't leave where they were, Uh, children at risk, children with autism, the newest of the uh, new immigrants. People really depend on federation, and we are able to deliver because we know what's needed, and we're doing it. Joining us now is Melissa Arden, the chief planning
1: officer for our Federation. And we're continuing our discussion about the solidarity missions to Israel. Welcome, Melissa. Thank
4: you, Susan. Uh,
1: Before we get into what our role at Federation is doing in Israel, you
4: were on the last mission. Can you talk about your personal experience? Absolutely. We just returned several days ago, and it's really taken me some time to you know, put my thoughts in, to, and to articulate my thoughts. It was an incredibly intense, emotional uh, trip, one that I, uh, very different from the other times I've been to Israel. Um, the feeling of complete patriotism and pride um, just really welcomes you when you come off the plane. And they're so thankful and grateful for um, people from around the world to come to Israel during this time to show solidarity. And that's what we were there for. Is there any particular moment that stands out in your mind? There are so many moments that stand out in my mind, um, from meeting the hostages, excuse me, the hostage families, to going to near Oz, which is a kibbutz that was um, terrorized on October 7th. But there's an important um, highlight that really sticks in my mind. And that is, Israel is such a small country. It's tiny. And- It's the size of New Jersey. It's the size of New Jersey. And everybody in that country is connected. And every single person that we've either met or we know has a, fir- um, a family member a, a first family member who is serving in the war right now. So every minute that goes by, these family members are thinking about their children, their parents, their uncles, their friends. Um, there is a complete sense of solidarity. Um, and one particular instance, we went when we were going down to Gaza, uh, excuse me, close to Gaza at near Oz, which is one mile from Gaza. Um, one of our uh, emerging leaders in our partnership region in the north of israel Mick. he was actually on the show he came down to meet us so he met us in gaza because oh he is serving in the reserves right now and while he was there it was as if we were hugging our brother um, and seeing him it was a family member and he knew three other soldiers that were at that coffee shop waiting to deploy it was just it was evidence of how small this country is and, and how important this is to them. There's also a tremendous amount of trauma. We were speaking about that in in our prior uh,
1: segment. Can you talk about what our federation is doing to help
4: with the horrible trauma and all the other needs that are in Israel right now? The needs are immense and because of our leadership and because of the generosity of our donors, we have through our annual campaign we were able to advance a million dollars on october 7th essentially to send that over to israel for care and because of our relationships with our global partners especially with our partners in israel we're able to quickly mobilize these funds while we were raising additional funds through our israel terror relief fund initially um, what these what the support is going to provide is trauma care um emotional support. The entire country is in an emotional crisis right now, a mental behavioral crisis, um, traumatized. So a lot of these funds are going to support these, these folks who are either in the kibbutz, who, are, who have family members, who are reservists themselves. Um, basic needs, really triage. A lot of what we're supporting is triage. And the, there are going to be such long-term needs. Are we prepared for that? So we are, I have weekly, almost daily briefings about the situation from our partners in Israel. We are continuing to monitor not only the immediate needs, the mid and then the long-term needs. Um, If we're talking about the emotional trauma, this is going to be generational trauma that we will have to deal with for a significant amount of time. The initial needs, this is what we're focusing on. We will then have to help to support the rebuilding of many of the communities down in the south. And it's important to note that our partnership region is in Svat Chatsor and Roshpina. It is about 10 miles south of the Lebanon border. Daily, they have rockets fr- flying from Hezbollah. Um, and this is a serious issue and something that we have to monitor as well. Why is Campaign for the Future so vital? Support is incredibly needed at this time. Um, not just uh, emotional support for our friends and family and for the state of Israel, but also financial support. The financial support that we, we have been able to mobilize to Israel because of um, our visionaries and our generous supporters has enabled us to immediately hit go. And that's why it's so important that we're thinking about tomorrow and the future and that we have the resources available to support Israel and to support our community in the future.
0: Thank you,
1: and thank you for joining us.
4: Thank you, Susan.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mosaic Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to Mosaic on your favorite streaming platform and to leave us a review. Want more? Visit jewishpb.org mosaic where you can access full episodes of the show. To stay connected with the Jewish community of the Palm Beaches, visit JewishPB.org or follow Jewish Federation at Facebook.com slash Jewish Palm Beach.